0: The program which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM.
1: You're listening to Very Loose Women. I've been working on a piece that speaks of sex and
2: desperation. I've been screwing on the tracks of abandoned trains.
1: So that was Artstar by the Yeah Yeah Yes to lead us into the final part of our three-part series featuring the artist Lillian Lin and founding members of Jiggling Atoms, Natalie K Thatcher and Jennifer Crouch. This episode is all about creativity, so here are Jen and Nat talking us through the art and science crossover that Jiggling Atoms do.
2: What Jiggling Atoms is, originally I applied for a grant to the Institute of Physics to put on an exhibition about visualising physics of Richard Feynman's videos called Fun to Imagine, and one of them is called Jiggling Atoms, and it was a visual metaphor in of itself. We're illustrators, artists,
0: and we're interested in how it is that you can visualise ideas that have, I guess, a technical meaning. So I, I did physics at university, and I did illustration, and, and I always drew, and it seemed that was the best thing to, to do. So I think it's been a growing interest as well with, with Jiggling Atoms, particularly why is it that scientists rely so much on the use of metaphor and communication that's I mean that's fascinating. Jigging Atoms as a group what we do is we engage artists so the first year that we did it we did it with 25 contributing artists um, in physics so we taught them with an actual physicist called Dr. Monte Opperman who we met at Imperial and we taught them a sort of six lecture series physics series
2: and we gave them a brief
0: take it in either an exploratory or an explanatory route so make your work
2: to Communicate something to the audience or explore the themes. Yeah,
0: so by creating either an exploration or an explanation of what the artist had learned about the visits that uh, Malte, especially, had because he's, you know, he's a pretty awesome physicist. And an amazing communicator. We were able to sort of see how they responded to learning about something that normally seems very obscure and very complicated. So people hear, oh, physics, oh my God, that's impossible. But one of the things that Richard Feynman always said was that there isn't any special kind of person that can do Mm -hmm. physics. It's just that you have to care about it or be interested in it, and then just work hard. And that's true.
1: I wanted to start by asking us very women: what creative endeavours, apart from the show, do we pursue, and how big a
3: part of our lives are they? I think I've I've done most creative things, but <laughs> I like I I am a bit of a creativity addict. But it's like things that I do that engage a certain aspect of myself. So I do open mic nights, I record songs, I make videos for those songs, I write. I do a lot of drawings, I draw comic strips, I paint as well, so I like, that, it's a range of things, but for me those things are very similar to, for example, practicing Chinese, like they, they have the same function in my life as like something that I do for myself that
4: makes me incredibly happy. Yeah. What about That's you, it's a really good range, I feel uncreative, although I think I think my creativity has declined massively as I've got older. Mm. Um, at the moment, I have a couple of painting sets, which I occasionally play with, but it tends to be something I do definitely when I'm on my own and when I'm in a very particular mood. And I have one picture that I've hung in my own bathroom. It's a very simple piece. I didn't know that you did that.
2: I didn't know that you like to paint either, <laughs> and that you, d- that you still do it. Because I used to do quite a lot of watercolours when I was younger. I'm not very good but I really want to learn how to paint with some techniques and someone to help me and to actually do it
4: and have some you know, paints and some brushes. Well, come over one day and we can do something together because I so rarely make time to be creative Mm. and it actually makes me quite sad. I think when I was younger, my creative outlet used to be kind of drawing, doodling, doing like stupid things with play and also I wrote a lot in a diary and now I feel like I've lost all of those outlets, Mm. um, which is probably just part of becoming an adult. But sometimes I think my life would be more enriched if I had more time or made more time to be a bit more creative. That's the thing, because you said, like, oh, you should come over, we
3: should do that. But for me, those things are very, they're very
4: individual things. And if someone's around, I have a lot of difficulty doing those things. The only other thing I did recently that I was quite proud of is I made myself a new curtain for my room. That's Um, impressive. So I had to make it from scratch. I didn't have any know-how. So I went and, like, chose some fabric and I took off my old Roman blind and, like, worked out how it
1: worked. I think that's really interesting as well because when I was thinking about this, I was kind of not sure where the line between, like, doing something kind of mechanical maybe Mm. and then that being a creative thing. Mm. So, like, I know I always talk about it, but I want to get into kind of wood carving stuff and maybe when you're making something functional, is that still creative? I
3: guess it is.
0: Definitely.
3: you know I think it's art. At school, they would say it was... Like manufacturing. I think it's craft. There's a crossover between art and craft. Making a spoon for functional purposes, you're not going to do it better than a machine. But making a spoon that's beautiful, you're going to do Mm. it much better than a machine.
2: I feel that I'm definitely a very great consumer of creativity. I love going to theatre, cinema, reading, all of it. I absolutely love it. But when it comes to actually making things myself, something really inhibits it. And like what Liz was saying, when I was younger, I did things a lot more. And I mainly just wrote all the time. And my memorable song, which I think we've spoken about before, was obviously a high point. <laughs> "Golden Fish creation, Fish jubilation. Sing it. You can't <laughs> say Lisa. it. It wasn't a poem, Catherine. It was a song. No, I, I, I actually, I think it was a poem. <laughs> 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 kind of, you know, the, the lines were blurred. But, you know, that's something which, When I was younger and you're at school and a lot of your time is structured and you have to do all these um, things like um, for me maths and science I didn't really want to do, going home and writing and reading and writing and painting was something that took me away from that, which I really enjoyed. Whereas when I was older, I dedicated all my time to reading and writing as part of kind of what um, academic side that I pursued. And reading and writing wasn't really a refuge away from that anymore. It's only recently that now I'm in a routine again, of like working um, full time, that I really, kind of realised that actually a lot of things that I just took for granted when I was younger, like going in, you know, doing a bit of art, also doing a bit of tennis, having, like, doing some gardening, all of these pastimes, I was suddenly thinking, actually, I really miss them. But I think the... Urge has always been there, it just comes out in unexpected ways. So, I really love um, doing my hair and doing other people's hair, and I like really interesting hairstyles. I like learning how to do it. I love makeup, and I think for me, one of my favorite parts of the day, and I know that I'm gonna have a good day if I've had a nice routine in the morning and sat and thought about. You know what I want to do when I've got a look and I you know, like buying clothes that say are 60s and then doing some 60s makeup and doing beehive that to me is like I suppose self-expression but there's an element of creativity there as well that I should really harness it a bit more so I would love to come out and do some painting with
4: Lucy Awesome I'm so
2: excited
1: Well I quite like having some sort of structure and instruction I would like to do things like I've done like pottery courses and things like that and I like kind of having someone there and saying you know this is how you do this and then you can kind of develop what you're doing beyond that but to have someone initially telling you like this is how you do it and um, yeah getting the skills that up I know uh, Lily and I actually worked on some songs at one point so you know there yeah. was a musical side to oh
4: my, my gosh. life you should record one for the show wow. can't
1: be
3: any worse than any of the ones <laughs> no. we did before the show no right? well Pete's and I did one as well
1: you're just in exactly. a with everyone aren't you except, except me songs. also something that I've done which again is this a creative thing I don't know my old housemate we used to we had like a little playlist of songs that we used to learn together and so he would learn the guitar parts and I would sing and we would like do, do little songs together and I don't know if that's creative because we haven't generated original songs but I guess it's something, I don't know, again that's like the, using those kind of skills and it's and still it's performance interpretation. yes, we like to put our own spin on things absolutely I got a in Tokyo I got a rep I got an Asian clown yeah. I got a gallery in New York It's a all This model mother-
3: I did a lot of acting when I was when I moved to France so between 14 and 17 I did a lot of acting and I was essentially fearless and also there's a kind of parallel there with skiing where I would ski and go really fast and then suddenly at eight years old I just got really scared and couldn't go down slopes anymore and um but I was a really good skier before that and I, I got awards and everything and then the same thing happened with acting but much later so when I when I went to university, I did some acting and I, I was successful at it. And then suddenly, recently, I did an acting course uh, for about five days and I went up on stage and I lost the power to stand up. <laughs> and my legs went like jelly and I'd never had that before. I got stage fright. I just And I couldn't think straight and I, I could remember the dialogue, but I was shaking. It's just my nerves suddenly really affected me and I just suddenly had this overwhelming sense of self-awareness that I just never really had that really hit me and that means that now I'm I'm just I hate acting and I'm incapable of it
1: well I think that kind of brings me really exactly onto what I want to talk about so you know we have talked about things that we do do but we also said we we wish we did more Mm. and I kind of wonder like what does hold us back from doing more and I guess what you're also talking about is when you're a child you don't really have this kind of Maybe even a sense of, yeah, you're saying being fearless, or maybe a kind of sense of embarrassment almost. Mm. Or kind of, you don't worry, is this good enough, it doesn't really, you know, you don't really care. Like, you're writing you're writing little stories to yourself, now if you wrote a story, you might think, God, this is so cringe, <laughs> or, you know, I've written it like this. You know, you, you kind of cringe about it, and you worry about it more when you wouldn't have done that as a child. I don't know if you have similar yeah, experiences. Yeah,
4: definitely. It's that fear of being judged but by an it's... audience. Like, it's an expectation of an audience that I don't think you have as a child, almost and kind yeah, of worrying and, about that audience that, you know, even if it doesn't exist.
2: Yeah, even if your the audience, audience is you. It feels very earnest. And I think as you get older, you develop a kind of, what I would call a healthy cynicism, where, you know, you take a piss out of people. And if someone's really, you know, I'm going to share this very important poem with you. It's really special to me. There's a voice in the back of my head going, oh my God, which obviously just comes from when you're a teenager and people start <laughs> laughing at other people. It's not necessarily a nice voice, but it stops you from being too much of a show-off. And that's like a real characteristic that I don't like about thespians or like artists who take so themselves very seriously. It's that idea of like total self-belief and this the idea of the genius. Like you grow up hearing about, you know, if you're an artistic genius, you seem to also be a bit of a arrogant type of person. I used to do a of acting at school. When you're at school, everyone does all these things, and you're still learning, so it feels like it's okay to just do it. You know, you can be like the lead in a school play and it doesn't mean anything. But I felt when I went to university that the school, the kind of pool of people is a figure. And also as an adult, now I'm 27, the idea of doing something, it's like, well, why would you be rubbish at it and doing it? You're old enough to surely have practiced, so you're either good at it and do it, or you don't do it. And I know that's wrong and
4: silly, but it just feels like such a big step to take. Also, I think it feels like as an adult to embark on a creative adventure, requires more commitment somehow than it would have done as a child it almost feels harder to just do something casually um, certainly to find friends to do things that Mm. are just for fun it seems like people either get really into things and join a club or pay for a course or actually don't do them at all you know there isn't someone there saying you've got two hours to play find something fun to do but i think what you said emma about
3: um about the you criticism like you as your main critic because you because catherine you were saying about about other people laughing at you but yeah. for me it's it's the disjuncture between when you make something and then you criticizing yourself, it's it's the time. Like even if it's five seconds and ten seconds, that makes such a huge difference because in that space you could write a sentence. If it's, if it's an hour, if you have a disjuncture of an hour between writing a sentence and criticising yourself, you can get so much more done. And I just feel with um, adulthood and self-awareness, that gap between self-criticism and production gets so much smaller that that in the end you end up not doing so much. And there are other constraints such as time and also lessening of loneliness i found as I've grown up that I can relate to people more, more empathy. And that means that my creativity has... Has been say lessened or dampened. I, I think loneliness was was really was really really core in, in my output when I was 16, 17, 18, which I think is a lot of people's mm. most creative periods in yeah. their life. I think that a lot of people find that that's when they're making the most because it's a period of great transition, a period of great loneliness. That's how I felt mm. it. And and for me, writing and uh, acting and uh, drawing these were all ways to communicate with people that I was completely incapable of communicating with in other other ways. Just getting those words down and getting them out there. I didn't care who read them. I just really, really, really needed people to see. That I was feeling stuff too, and that I was human to some That sounds cheesy, but that I was feeling the same things as them, and that I was lonely too. And for people to relate to that, even if it was one or two, I remember thinking that then, like, job done. I'm really happy that I've done that. Yeah, what you said about self-belief. I think that that's the genius thing. Is really is a really big problem. I don't think that anyone should yeah. consider themselves a genius.
2: Yeah. But, and yeah, and it really feeds into that idea of you know you're just naturally good at something whereas even someone who's amazingly talented it's the working at it definitely know? like the more you put in the more you get out you'll never get worse at something as you practice apart from maybe poker in my case <laughs> generally you you will improve and it's having that belief of going okay I'm not, I might not be amazing but I could be really quite good at this and but for, for some reason it just kind of sticks in your mind that I wasn't naturally good at it I often kind of think, is it just that people who kind of pursue
1: creative things or have like a really high level of self-belief and they just think like, well, I know that I'm really good at this, or is it just that they kind of, they just aren't so affected by things? Is it just self-belief? Do artists think their work is perfect, or does it not really matter? Jen had an interesting take on what each piece she makes means to her. I went, I guess it was a graduate show, a couple of weeks, and I saw some really amazing stuff. and I was really trying to what I was looking at, and then I kind of saw you email sign where it said... What, what the piece was called and then I had a price, and I kind of thought if I made this really cool thing I would never want to sell it I just want to look at it every day probably in addition you know <laughs> probably you know that's not how people who make art do their work how could she sell
0: this it's so cool I just want to look at it or Vietnam, maybe she should it. buy it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing is that you, you I mean I think it's the first of what I was talking about before and there so, is that mean, the way I've, I've kind of ended up seeing my work is that uh, these are notes mm-hmm. like, all these are visual pictorial notes and this is you know it's kind of I semi, I semi to be honest I semi it to my drawing <laughs> I, I listen to all kinds of things and I uh, don't and um, and uh, it just uh, happens and then you just move on to the next thing and you get rid of it
3: the main thing for pursuing something that is completely ultimately pointless writing drawing all of these things don't have a sort of commercial aim or like but you get into writing, you get into music, you get into your Hamburg period or whatever, you get into your the moment where you're messing everything up and you're learning. You get into that because you love doing it. There's no other reason to get into those things. You can't go into acting and think, I'm going to be really famous. I, I guess a lot of people do do that. But you can't go into acting with that spirit because within three years you won't be famous. Within five years you might be. But you've got to get past that really tough period of being really awful and so that you can learn and and that could happen at any moment and it's different amounts of time for different people. So you've just got to keep going and loving it.
1: But then I guess, you know, obviously you have a real creative drive to write and those kind of things. And maybe none of us, I don't know if we do, but have a similar level of a love, of an urge and a need to do that. But I, I don't think we should be put off from having creative endeavour. I mean, like, you know, you don't need to love something, I think. You can
3: kind of experiment and try
1: out different types of writing. Well that's
3: loving it. That like, like feeling that you want to do it. That's what I call loving it. You don't need to be like writing is more important than death. Like <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you've got you've got to be like, what do I want to do with my afternoon? Do I want to go? Uh, do I want to go rowing or do I want to sit at my desk? You know, that's that that is an option that most people are. You know, have on a Sunday that specific option of going rowing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, going for a walk, fine, something more relatable. I have never rowed,
0: so I don't know why I
3: said that. Um, but and and you've just got that moment where you're like, should I go see friends or do I want to stay on my own and do something really lonely And when you have that moment, you pick the the one that you're going to want the most at that moment. And usually for me, it's friends,
2: hanging out with friends. So I do less writing at the moment. I think. What's coming through is this idea of having time alone and making time alone to sit and really think about things and then express yourself. And if you're when you're kind of around other people and you're having fun, you don't get that. But there's something just about having time where there's nothing else going on. And that's when, but you that, that that's when your happens. mind roams. Like when I was younger, I just had such an active imagination because... You know, effectively an only child um, outside. You know, like all weekend, and no one lived near me, so I could have like you know days or weeks sometimes with really minimal interaction with other people. So you obviously retreat into a a really rich interior life, and that daydreaming capability is definitely still with me. Like I'm a very big daydreamer. So in a way, there is some kind of creativity going on, even if I don't formalise it. Mm. But it's always there, like very introspective. Daydreaming is core. Yeah. I also think it's interesting what
1: you're maybe both saying about these kind of creative things that you're doing being mainly on your own because of course there's like a scope to do things creatively in a group or mm. even as you're saying, you know, before you're talking about let's see some painting together and maybe almost feeling a need to have someone else there yeah. so they have a kind of social aspect to it to maybe feel a bit less embarrassed and also so you can do things together like you can make something together Here are Nat and Jen talking about the relief and the joy of meeting like-minded people to collaborate
2: with well, I didn't get any A levels, and the only place that would take me was art school. I got one A level, and <laughs> but it was a really good decision. And then because I went there, I discovered learning and, and books and mm. the joys of discovery. I was an explorer suddenly, mm. and that and met Jen and met these amazing people. Matt Campbell, uh, Adrian Adrian, <laughs> Adrian Holmes, Adrian Holm. <laughs> amazing lecturer who who lectured us on art and science yeah. and so embedded this and, and introduced was... me
0: to Lillian and well. actually it was meeting Natalie because I always I mean I had friends that were artists once I stopped doing physics and um, I always thought oh, I just like to talk about it and just about about the overlap and then meeting Natalie when Natalie was like oh my gosh you did this studying and this is something to be celebrated and I suddenly felt like it was okay Like I was actually really nervous about what am i doing what have i done and i don't know what to i think it takes it takes a while to figure out like actually i'm just gonna this sounds quite bad and probably potentially <laughs> but i'm just gonna do what i want and i'm gonna say okay. i'm gonna say that this is what i'm doing and i'm gonna enjoy it and i'm gonna try and be just i don't think authentic to myself because mm. i always tried to um uh push, push my interest in science to the side because everyone else that i knew before I started at Canberra, I said, no, you should just draw. You don't need to do science. You don't need mm. to think about it. Just draw pictures. That's what you should do. And, and I just thought, I can't just... If I just draw all the time, I just really get bored. I need to read I stuff and meet them. people and talk to people. And then having people telling you and I think It's also being young and not just not knowing what... And just feeling a little bit uncomfortable about what it is that you want to do. And just not knowing and just genuinely being scared about... Mm. Actually, I've been reading oh, these no. books and stuff and I've got no-one to talk about all these interesting ideas with. Going to Campbell, meeting Natalie, meeting everybody else that we met down, uh, you know, and Adrian Home as well, and being in that environment that I was just like, no, talk about what you care about mm. and make that part of what you do. Um, it was one of the most liberating experiences I think I've ever had, really.
3: Well, I, all my music's on my own because I'm such an awful musician, but, but, but <laughs> filming and... Um, and theatre are things that you have to do collaboratively and that's why I've always really tried to pursue them even though I'm not very good at them. Just because it's a, they were a way, a crucial moment in my life to, to make friends and to force to force myself to interact with people. That's how I started acting so that I could talk to people even if I was friends with none of the people in my drama class. It was just to have people there that I had to speak to because I had a dialogue um, that I had to follow. So they're, they're, they're mediums that force you to collaborate and I think one of the most beautiful types of friendship and also, one of the worst is ones where you're forced to collaborate. And I've always...
4: <laughs> like all, this. Well, yeah. no. This is one of the worst no, for. No, no,
3: because... <laughs> the worst creative... Honestly, we wouldn't, <laughs> spend, we wouldn't spend this much time together if we weren't doing the radio show. And I think having something in common like this, and Lillian was saying this, having something in common, having something in the outside that we're all passionate about, and I think we all are, to to do together just strengthens friendship so much, yeah. but also having different views on how that should go can destroy friendships and is it really worth it? I, I think we've got a wonderful dynamic. I must see it as being,
2: you know, two different aspects to your kind of interior life. Like this obviously is as often talking about our personal life and then making it very public and we collaborate. But for me there's always something that I do and you know the creative aspect is when you're a creator you're in control and in charge and obviously like with art and criticism and things there's often like comparisons drawn with this idea of you know is the writer in charge of the text is the painter in charge they're kind of like a godlike figure but there's something about Having total control over something, even if what you're having control over is like a piece of absolute shit and you hate
0: it, you know, it's, sure. there's one thing about something being interesting or intriguing, and another thing about what the artist actually wants to look this at. This is this is a thing where we <laughs> make it what we want to make it, because yeah. as as an artist, you have to give that up. It's like, oh, putting it in the world, and people are just like it reminds me of this. And you're like, uh, oh, yeah. Sh- yeah. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, I do think that um, you know, I do think that. Really, you have to learn how to show your work in the yes. way that you want it to be seen. So that, and it's taken me all my life to figure that out. It's just like writing, like trying not to be ambiguous. I, even when writing a simple email, I find very difficult. Oh, emails are really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, <laughs> you know, it, it, normally you're so casual in an email, and then when you actually have to write somebody something difficult, you know, that might be misunderstood, you inevitably get misunderstood.
2: It's still like a relief sometimes to have something that is purely your own. Yeah, And then it's great to have a space where we do this, I love this, but I also do like when I sit and write something at home. Like, just doing it myself, and it's a wrestle with myself. You know, how can I get my brain to be cleverer, better? Why does this sentence just sound crap? Like, that in itself is... It's, it's it's more difficult than actually working with the people because I can empathise with other people more than I can with my brain's limitations. I just You
3: want to make something because you're feeling alone, you want to communicate, but then also you've got this I've got this niggling thing, like I've got to have something out there so that I can show people that I'm having something that you've created that you can put your name on, being proud of it. You don't have that from an office job, you don't really even have that from teaching because it's a momentary thing, but something where it's like There's a record of it, but you leave a record. That's that's been something that's niggled.
1: So, like, once we've made something, how do we know that it's good enough to share with other people? Like, at what point would would we let them look at it? When do we stop being embarrassed? When do we think it's good enough to
3: share? So, first of all, there's, like, a general thing where I'm just, like, it just has to be out there. So it's never good enough to be out there. So I was part of that, that group at university called the Failed Novelists, and the main ethos is this line by Samuel Beckett, which is failing better, and you can always do better. Every, anything you make can always be better. Everything can be better all the time in, in, in any part of your life, a meal or whatever. And so you've just got to do what you can and get it out there in the amount of time that you have. And I mean, within that, there's how much time you spend on it, and obviously all these things that you negotiate, but. The main thing is is that you just writing, gotta get it out
1: there. She's writing a novel, she's writing, she's weaving, conceiving a plot. It quickens,
0: it thickens, you can't put it down now. First it thing that I got out you, there was it
3: for you, me, it part of getting that out there was I plot. just need something to my name. Like like that was the main thing. I just submitted it everywhere and then see who took it and someone took it and I was really happy about it. I wouldn't have I wouldn't be proud of it now, but back then I was really, really happy with it. Whereas now I've kind of changed a lot and Everything I put out, I put out under various pseudonyms on the internet. The main one is Polly MacDoodle, so that's all of my sort of funny stuff, and that's one persona, and then I have a few secret blogs. So, so I get my writing out there somewhere, and then I read it at various writing groups, so that's a different persona, and I have these different categories that I allow myself to sort of edit on. As my own name, I, I won't put anything out there except for very least women.
2: I love the use of it student is is that idea of it's a different part of your psyche so Mm. it's not the person sitting here with us right now who does the drawing or the writing it's it's literally another part of you that maybe we don't know very well
3: yeah no I completely agree with that I I don't want my professional persona for example to be associated with that with my goofy drawings and my silly songs I don't want people to think that that's me because it's it's not me when I'm talking to them. It's me when I'm alone in my room. So it's like a
2: practical reason as well as just yeah, just I like guess control. so. Yeah. I actually um, I would like to write books, and I have a few ideas, and I just haven't made it happen. So I don't know whether are it they well. sex books. I have thought about sex books, but they're they're probably just I, history books. I think um, the correct term is erotic novels. Yeah, it? <laughs> unless it's <laughs> instructional, in which case maybe I do think a it book. would be instructional, more kind of scenario led. Um, but anyway, mainly history books, and um, I I do actually i I've always thought that if I did it, I would publish under a um, pseudonym.
4: I think it allows more freedom, doesn't it? Like you said, you know, even from a professional level, it allows you to express your ideas that might be incompatible in some ways with other aspects of your life. I think that's true. And not feel, not feel um, that you're putting any part of your yourself at risk in a way.
1: And it also allows you to kind of lose the the shame and the kind of embarrassment that we're talking about, because you know. It's not being traced back to you so you can kind of have a go if it's a bit rubbish or whatever. Mm. It doesn't really matter.
2: You know, I didn't really improve this whole thing of having a you know, like a Twitter account and putting stuff out there, but really toning down your thoughts and self expression. Like and not sort of standing by who you are. Well that's a problem with immediate publication and the internet.
3: There's a record of everything that we do if we put it online. It's true. We can all maybe be traced back to some
1: really cringy MySpace poetry we might have written at the age so of So much MySpace poetry. Oh, really? oh, so have much. A
2: journal space. There was a mini craze sort of like grunges at school, so I kind of had one. So I was hovering in the very outer fringes of that grunge gang.
1: But I also think like any attempts, even if you know you're 13 and it's kind of cringy or whatever, it should be kind of applauded for trying and putting yourself out there. So let's end with some creative resolutions. Obviously, Lucy and
4: Catherine are having their painting session. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, does anyone want to go ceramic pot painting with me?
1: I'd rather make a pot
4: than paint a pot.
2: Okay. To I do.
1: I would quite like to paint a pot, paint
2: but I would like to make something. I made um, quite a lot of stuff at school, so
1: I'd like to do that again. I'm going to sign up for the spoon carving course that I've been talking about like my whole life. So that's my main plan. But also. I feel like we could also inject a bit of creativity into everything we do. Like, I don't think it needs to be, let's do this creative thing. I guess also like, teaching can be really creative. The way you the way cook, you make toast
4: it. could be creative.
1: Cooking that I did today, actually, that was quite creative. It wasn't very creative. Yeah, it was, it really was
4: cool. very delicious ever. I
1: feel like, like I kind
2: easy. of creatively rubbed my fake tan on something. And very nice <laughs> arabesque as well. So
1: not too creatively that it didn't have a full cover.
2: But, well, next time and then
3: there will be a pattern. I I am
2: actually trying to not follow the textbook
3: as much in my job, but um, once I finish the course that I'm on, I will go back to all of my resolutions. So last year I had this blog called a uk. if anyone's wondering, where I would upload a scan a day of a drawing I'd done, and I managed to do it for over a year, so I'm really wow. proud of that, and so I'm really happy that I did that, so I'll probably have a new one once I am purposely unemployed again. Excellent, we look forward to that.
1: Well, I think we're all feeling inspired to pick up a pen, a paintbrush, or even a spoon gouge. Thanks again to our guests, the wonderful Lillian Lynn, Nat Thatcher and Jennifer Crouch. More information about all their artistic endeavours can be found on our blog. Thanks for
4: listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. Good night.